Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. Okay, welcome, everybody. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 19 of Cop On Podcast. Um, this is unbelievable to uh, to have you all here. Totally wonderful to have you here, everybody. Um, everyone, whoever you are, wherever you are around the world, Cop On goes up to over 30 countries. I'm delighted about that. Um, but what I'm not delighted about is the fact that the, about an hour ago, the final whistle went um, on Tottenham Hotspur 2, Liverpool 2, and I'm absolutely livid with these officials. Um, I found a term. I'm, I'm joined by... Um, Kofi from LFC Reactions, that's Reactions with a Z. You've got to check this out, people. This is a wonderful podcast that Kofi does. And um, Kofi, I'm going to come to you first because I found um, a, a, a definition when I looked up the word on the final whistle. I looked up the word incompetent on Google. And I found this definition um, of something called a bozo explosion. And it goes, a bozo explosion is when an incompetent manager, a.k.a. Mike Riley, hires a large number of incompetent employees such that they single-handedly decrease the overall competence of an organisation, the Premier League. This often involves a manager hiring friends and former colleagues Here's looking at you, uh, John Moss, etc. And it may denote a tendency for incompetent professionals to rely on social connections to advance their careers. So I'm joined by a number of people. Welcome, Kofi. Welcome to your first Cop On podcast. I hoped to be talking to you after a joyful win, but instead we've had a crazy game that, in my view, was uh, ruined by the numpty referees. Um, how are you feeling, Kofi? Welcome to Car Park. Hello. First of all, thank you for having me on. Um, it's a privilege to be on your show and be welcomed. So I appreciate that. Um, secondly, well, I, it would have been perfect to be on the show talking about uh, another win for Liverpool Football Club. But due to external circumstances that wasn't in our control, it wasn't to be. But I'm sure we'll deep dive into the logistics of that a little bit later on in the show. But yeah, thank you for having me on and I look forward to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Kofi. Great to, great to have you with us. I'm also joined um, by Jack uh, Jack Mack, LFC. Check out his YouTube channel. Jack, it's always a privilege to have you with us. Um, are you as livid as I am? Are you, are you as pissed off with Paul Tierney and his gang of numpty mates? Yeah, thank you for having me on. Um, great to speak to the lads as well on on, on the pods and, and everyone keeps safe and well. And yeah, it's 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 with all of us are probably most likely to have an event in this episode. So was, I had to speak to you. I had to speak to the lads on the pod as well. It's good to have some people to speak to after that game. The absolute auto shambles. But yeah, <laughs> there were so many avenues that were wrong um, today, not just for Liverpool but for Spurs as well. Um, but cheers for having me on, mate. Appreciate it. Well, I know it's a pleasure. I'm also joined by Connor from the Cup Council. Connor, cheapest creepers, they're rubbish, aren't they? Is that the, is that the, like the, the, the most overriding thing for you is just the, the awfulness of the referee? Or could you also um, glory in the fact that there was there were some brilliant bits of football on the pitch? Uh, yeah, mate. And, and look, first of all, thank you for having me on um, again. And, and it is that it, the referees have taken away from a really, really good football game. Um, of course, not for us. Um, you know, I think pretty much all of us were shouting and screaming at the telly uh, wherever you are on the world. But for the neutral, um, I think it's completely destroyed it. Certain decisions, of course, red cards that I think, of course, we will talk about later on. But it's just, yet again, the incompetence of Premier League officials, the worst in Europe, in my opinion. Um, and yet again, another example of it, it today. Um, and it won't change. It won't change for a very, very long time until we have the new, fresh um, style of, of Premier League referees in the next probably 10 years, um, because we still have the referees now that we did 10 years ago from now. So... Until that happens, I can't see much of a change. But um, yeah, uh, good, good, good draw away from uh, today and good, a, good, a decent point, I would say. But yeah, just the referees again, 
um, the ones to take away the spotlight, then, I would say. You're absolutely right. They, they've been awful for absolutely years. Um, I'm delighted that, that Fergus is with us as well. And, and Fergus, is there a way that we can sort of club together, you know, get some lawyers, pay some good lawyers to, you know, stop this monopoly that the PGMOL have of providing match officials to the referee? Because surely there's some kind of high court that will, you know, seek justice against these idiots. Yeah, I, it would be very nice. Uh, obviously, I'm as fr frustrated as everyone else with the standard of refereeing and the fact that no Premier League referee was selected for the last Euros uh, says it all, really. It means that we have the worst um, top flight or, or top um, top five league officials in Europe, and uh, probably in the world, you know, definitely the, the, the worst um, uh, top league referees in the world. And it, it should actually be easier than that to get rid of them because PGMOL is a private company uh, which which is the ref the company it's a contractor PGMOL is a contractor to a private company which is the Premier League Limited so the Premier League Limited has got 20 shareholders who are the 20 clubs so um, a vote of 16 of any of those should be able to sack the contractor which is the, the PGMOL um, I don't know I don't know why that hasn't happened because Clearly, even Sean Dyche, who, who votes against anything else that the other, or, or sorry, Burnley, who votes against anything else, uh, there's a few clubs that vote against anything else that clubs want to change. But it, surely Burnley also have suffered at the hands of these referees. Because, um, as you said at the top of the show there, clearly clearly a gaggle, a gaggle of incompetence. And, you know, they really they ruined the game tonight. We, we'll talk about it in detail. But... Who knows what the result might have been? You know, some Tottenham fans might say they, they should have won. Liverpool fans will say they should have won. Or we could say it, it, it was um, a draw was a fair result. But if the refereeing decisions had been taken rightly, who knows which way that, that result would have gone? Uh, probably to Liverpool in the end, because we, were the better, we are a better side in general. Yeah, it's really interesting stuff. Surely we could start, you know, sending letters to, to those 16 clubs, asking them all to do something, because they've been rubbish for everyone. It's not just today that we've been, we're talking about them, unfortunately. Ruin, ruining, as, as you're absolutely perfectly correct to say, what could have been an absolutely fabulous game of football by their incompetence. All the talk, Kofi, pre-match, was about, you know, COVID, of course, in the context, and I hope everyone's well and they're washing their hands. Very important, you know, keep keeping as safe as they can be. Um, but um, it was about who had an advantage. Would Liverpool have an advantage with the match practice? Um, or would it be Spurs having had a bit of a rest and they can go in to this match fresh? But then when you saw the lineup, Kofi, with that midfield of Tyler Morton, Naby Keita and James Milner, who, you know, barely knew each other's names, presumably, before kickoff, the advantage had to be with Spurs, didn't it? Yes, um, I would say it's almost like an unstoppable force versus immovable objects kind of situation where, of course, um, Liverpool li missing out on the first midfield three of Thiago, Fabinho and Henderson um, obviously throws away in the span of the works of how Liverpool play because this is essentially the core of your team. This is the spine of your team. And without um, the double pivot of Fabinho and Thiago, which has been working so well in recent games, um, and then having to fill that void with a young Tyler Morton, who, in fairness to him, has kind of been thrown in the deep end. Um, ideally, I, I do congratulate him for making his Premier League debut, of course, but you want to be making your Premier League debut under a different kind of circumstances where you're around your better players to help uh, help you play in your natural form. And obviously you've got your Keita, who, again, is working his way up to match fitness, to match sharpness. So you're not really quite sure whether the level of Keita you're going to see. And then you've got a veteran midfielder in James Milner where he's not quite as robust as he's going to be um, like in his previous years, like in his early days for Liverpool. So to find the fine balance was kind of the issue for Liverpool today. And you kind of saw that um, volatility happening in the first half. And yeah, it kind of led to like an NBA style of just back and forth football. And 
when you hear commentators say, oh, this is a great game as a neutral, that usually flags as a red flag for Liverpool because Liverpool's main force is control. If Liverpool don't have control, then other problems will start eluding and that's what we saw today. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, that midfield, Jack, um, I mean, well, I mean, Kofi's brilliantly talked about the first half and how they were, there were holes aplenty. I like I like the NBA uh, analogy there. I mean, I I, I take notes uh, these days when, when we were recording a podcast straight after the match, just so I can remember things because my memory's shut, as you know. Um, but uh, I, on about the 39th minute, I put in capital letters, excuse the language, fuck me, this is stressful. Uh, because I was having absolute kittens. Um, some of the first half action, I mean, Robbo uh, had that chance in the first minute with a header went just right. Wide Milner had a daisy cutter with Robbo free uh, that was quite easily saved in the end. Trent did a brilliant tackle or else Kane would have been free and through on goal. Tyler Morton played a through ball that was just too long for Mo Salah. And there were two Spurs offsides uh, that could have led to goals. And that was in the first eight minutes, Jack. It was crazy kooky town. And is that because of our midfielders? Just, you know, as Kofi was saying, we're missing our our, our first choice midfielders. I mean, that was any team would struggle, right? Yeah, most definitely. He's both he's a spot on. And it, it, as Kofi alluded to, Liverpool, when it's out of our hands and we lose control in games, that's, as he said, the red flags do appear. Trent was all over the place. Robbo very disjointed in reality and, and and that's as soon as that happens our lighthouse Fabinho he plugs the holes which we've seen over the last couple of years so well uh, and the two goals in which Spurs did, did score which we speak about today it was two through balls straight down the heart of our defence and I don't think Matip and, and Canate had bad games it was just in those small seconds within games that can flip the game on top of its head and for, for, I know, I know. Connor's a massive fan of Naby Keita, and we all are. Naby, you just want to pick him up and shake him, and just be like, "Come on, lad, do something." You're capable of running the midfield. He's got the quality and the fifty-fifty opportunities that, for me, he, 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 it's Naby. You don't want him to get injured, and probably would have got injured if he put his body on the line for that. Um, and and Spurs went up the other end and scored. But for me. It's small moments like that where you just put your foot in. Um, and obviously, we did concede off the back of that. Milner was having to do the, the work of three midfielders in moments within that game. And But Morton, it's not the best best or easiest game to come into. Because I think, for me, that's Spurs' strongest side. Um, they had all their Harry Kane, Son, Lucas Moura come on the back end of that game. And then Don Mele, Winks and Ali. Spurs, I think, probably were happy with the points, but in, in terms of how they did set up, but it's moments of one, one in the seconds in football, and uh, and as we will speak about the jotted incident, but we let that game run run far too much out of our control. Yeah, re- yeah, it really was. It really was way out of control. Uh, but this, you know, we've 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 played in many games like that. You know, we we did a few years ago under Klopp. You know, when he first came in, um, and uh, you know, just quickly on on Tyler Morton, I thought he did he did pretty well. He had eighty five point two percent passing accuracy, uh, thirty two touches of the ball in total in his 59 minutes on the pitch. Um, so 85.2% passing accuracy is very, very commendable, really. James Milner, in comparison, had 77% passing accuracy and Naby Keita had 80% passing accuracy. Um, I thought Naby was pretty good. He ended up with three shots, one on target and one key pass. But I was very equally disappointed with Jack that he sort of, you know, he ducked out of that 50-50 and the fact that it led to a goal was uh, especially annoying. Um, but Connor, it wasn't just that moment. I mean, you know, um, Konate had an amazing tackle on Harry Kane just one minute before Harry Kane scored. Uh, it was... You could say Andy Robertson was playing a poor offside line for Kane's goal. If you look at but if you look at it back, if if Robbo had 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 stepped up, he would have been offside. If he'd stepped up with the rest of the defence, but I suppose those are teething troubles we're going to have to accept when we've got a 
you know, second choice midfields. Uh, but following that first goal, Connor, Son had a big miss on 16 minutes, a huge miss uh, where he, he was through on goal. And um, I don't know, were you thinking at that stage it was going to be another 4-1, Connor? Or were you, I don't know, were you thinking, I don't know, we're still in it? Uh, for me, it was a little bit of a, uh, it was a bit of a panic, you know, when once the first goal had gone in. Um, and then it was just then the overload of, you know, can this Liverpool, can, you know, Liverpool without its core, you know, survive this? Because it was at times, you know, Spurs going on the counter-attack and looking deadly. You know, Human Son is, of course, one of the best um, players in the league um, on it, on his day. But the way can, the way the partnership was today of Ibu and Joel Matib, I thought was phenomenal. I thought Ibu, especially... Um, you know, a lot of defenders that has played for Liverpool Football Club we've seen over the last few years, like, you know, for example, Dejan Lovren, he fell apart um, when that happened, to, you know, when we lost 4-1 and his mind completely went. You know, Ibu's head could have completely gone. You know, this is the first time he's properly had pressure in, you know, at Liverpool Football Club and he's handled it superbly well. And it's the fact that, you know, you become a better player from that. And I thought he absolutely did fantastically well. Yes, we were unlucky with the first goal. It's like you said, mate, if Robbo had been a bit, you know, higher, Harry Kane would have been offside. But just, I think it was just the confidence in the in those two, where you've got, you know, a certain Alison Becker behind you as well, um, you know, to be reliable and be there, of course, you know, um, we'll speak about, you know, events afterwards, but... It's that it's that sense of where they've been fantastic. Look, Liverpool's core has been ripped apart due to you know COVID and you know other things the last couple of days and weeks. But it, it is the fact that now them two look solid, and it's it was a scary moment when I thought they could have gone two 0 up. But for me, I think the whole you know Tyler Morton. I think after his yellow card, I thought he had a fantastic game settling down similar to Fabinho where you know he knows he can't make a mistake and if he does it will cost him and I think Tyler Morton did exactly that and then with Ibu and Matip I think you know that they I think we're fine without Virgil van Dijk of course we're much much better without Virgil with Virgil van Dijk but if we just had Joel Matip and you know uh, Canate there it, that wouldn't panic me but I think them two as a partnership is getting you know that very very nice to see that them two are working very nice together. Yeah, great answer. Nice to nice to hear the positives. Um, there were a few positives uh, from the game. I mean, Tyler Morton, he didn't make a, an actual tackle, like a successful tackle in the game after getting booked, especially he looked a little bit timid to me, but he did manage three interceptions, no clearances, no blocked shots. James Milner had four tackles, two interceptions and two clearances and no blocked shots. And Naby Keita had a whopping eight tackles. I thought Naby was really good in, in midfield in, in times. It's just that that disappointing thing, I think, that you chickened out of that 50-50. But, um, yeah, eight tackles is incredible. That's double James Milner and Trent, who were second most on four tackles in the match. And two interceptions for Naby and no clearances for Naby and no blocked shots. So defensively, our midfield, yeah, was stretched. It was pulled around all over the place. Um, is there something you would have done tactically, Fergus, to change that? You know, because it was, or was, were, were you just quite happy just to go, you know, ding dong back and forth? Um, yeah, I think the biggest problem is, uh, I think it was Jack pointed out that, uh, it was a lack of control in the game and without Virgil and without Fabinho uh, they're two of our key players who and without Henderson you know those those three players really set the tempo especially in the middle of the park Henderson uh, and Fabinho um, Henderson controls the game to an incredible amount uh, just the tempo of the game and he's such a, a kind of a bully in midfield that um, you know, even though I know he's a clean player, but he tends to just, with his sheer personality, demand the ball and, and get the ball off the opposition as well. Um, so uh, Tyler Morton is a lovely player on the ball. He can spray a nice pass either way. Uh, he's very calm in possession, so that's very commendable. But he really needs to work on his defensive side. Um, you know, as you said, actually, he didn't have a, he had zero tackles all game, whereas Milner had four and Keita had eight. 
So uh, that there was a gaping hole in our, the middle of our defence, you know, that those Tottenham breaks happened so quickly, it's hard to see um, how Tottenham got through so fast. Um, and I'd have to watch them on replay, but I certainly noticed one where, uh, you know, they're just running past Morton. He doesn't, he doesn't have the, the defensive um, instinct. He's not the destroyer that you have uh, with Fabinho and with Fernandinho at Man City. Uh, I suppose in the sec tactically, you'd have to say in the second half when we were 2-1 up, Klopp switched to a 4-2-3-1, which seemed to be the right thing at the time. Um, he brought um, for Bobby, Bobby Firmino on and played um, the th four up front uh, with Milner and Keita in a, in a defensive midfield two. And, uh, you know, even though he, we lost another uh, goal on a breakaway straight after that, uh, I think that's after Morton went off, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and also... No, you're right, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, you know, it, it, it was chaos in there. And I think we also have to talk about Alisson. You know, he made some fabulous saves, but um, he's been credited with an error for that goal, you know, and, and, it, and it was a big error. Yeah, I mean, I'll stay with you, Fergus, because I know that you're a former goalkeeper yourself. And, you know, the notes I've got on Alisson, I mean, he sort of dominates a lot of the notes I've got. Um, because there was that wonder save at 29 minutes against Deli Alley where it was just, it was one of the best saves I've seen in years. Because if you watch it back, the, the speed and the accuracy at which Deli Ali absolutely hammers it towards the corner. And Alisson's, I had no idea how he got there. Absolute wonder save. But then I've just got, again, in capital letters, um, Alisson in a mess. Uh, and then Alisson on a corner, who just about got a punch on it. We were very lucky to escape. They're not conceding from a corner. And I don't know, is it partly his fault? Because I know, Fergus, you're worried about the coaching, right, of Alisson? Yes, uh, I, I've always had um, concerns about the Liverpool goalkeeper coaching because we've never had a goalkeeper that's improved. Look at Simon Mignolet. We bought him as a promising young goalkeeper from Sunderland. He'd had a brilliant season or two with them. And he just basically got worse and worse and more and more jittery as he stayed at Liverpool. Uh, and that's down to coaching, you know. You, you start with a raw talent. And if you don't improve it, you look at the coaches. Alisson, we signed as a great goalkeeper, and he still is a great goalkeeper. But there's certain aspects of his game that ha have gone backwards and disimproved, you know. Uh, I think it's John Achterberg. He's our main goalkeeping coach. And he clearly has blind spots. Um, Alisson should not be pushing the player that's marking him on a corner. If a player marks you as a goalkeeper on a corner, I, I, me as a goalkeeper, I've got hands. I've got arms. My arms will be two feet over his head. So uh, he, he has to realise that if someone is standing beside him, he can always reach above his head and get the ball anyway. And... I think that, that being continental goalkeepers, uh, Akterberg is Dutch and um, Alisson is obviously Brazilian, um, they're expecting more protection for goalkeepers. That's, that's the culture on the continent. Whereas in, in England, goalkeepers don't get protection, so they can't be expecting protection. Alisson is basically fouling his marker at corners. He keeps pushing and pushing his marker, and he could even give away a penalty like that. So the coach has to tell him, listen, you're not going to get protection. You've got to protect yourself. The ball comes in, you've got to use your feet. And Alisson's got great footwork, probably the best footwork of any goalkeeper in the Premier League. He's got to basically dance around the player and pick up the ball. He could do, he's got all the ability to do that. So ignore the guy who's standing marking you. Secondly, um, Alisson is continually now out of position on one-on-ones. He's coming out too far, too fast. And he should be hanging back more. Giving Matip is very fast. Van Dijk is very fast. He should be allowing those defenders to do their defending. Okay, he does at times, um, several times a match, um, do the right thing as a sweeper keeper. But it's got to be a balance and there's got to be communication. And he's also giving away goals by coming out too fast. I think that's second or third this season that he's given away by coming out too fast. I don't blame Alisson for this. I do blame the goalkeeper coaching. And on the positive side, I see that we have um, just signed their Brazil goalkeeping coach. Claudio Tafarel, who was a great World Cup goalkeeper for Brazil um, back in the 90s and 2000s. So hopefully that will improve because at the moment, as I say, you know, it, those two aspects really need work.
Yeah, lovely answer. What do you make of it, Kofi? You know, the, the, the fact, do you agree with Fergus that we haven't seen enough improvement in certain aspects of Alisson's game? Um, yes, I, I'd say I agree. Um, similarly, I remember a similar situation happening um, when we played West Ham, where a corner came in and then Alisson was meant to clear it, but he was complaining about some sort of physicality going on with other West Ham defenders. And I just think, You've been in this league for two to three years now, four years coming up next in 2022. You need to get used to the physicality of just defenders will barge you about. Sometimes you might, sometimes player keeper protection doesn't always work in your favour. But what you need to do is be assertive and be commanding when you're coming for these balls. Because sometimes I'm seeing you flap the ball in certain areas. And I, last thing Liverpool want to be known for is um, are they vulnerable with set pieces and yeah, it's just the case of Alisson needing to readjust again. I know when he first made his debut season for us, there was all the talk of, ah, oh, he's used to Serial with holding the ball up too long and then um, he'd get used to it. And then eventually we did see Alisson uh, eradicate that um, weakness out of his game. But now it seems to like um, pick back up again and... It's very confusing. Maybe it re- maybe I, I think I do agree with Fergus where the goalkeeping coach is either giving inconsistent instructions to what he should be doing and that's complicating the natural side of Alisson's game or it's just he's working on instinct and just doing things very sporadically. Um, also, I remember a moment in the game with uh, Tottenham where him and Trent had some sort of miscommunication and it almost looks like Harry Kane was going to capitalise on it. Thankfully, the ball ricocheted towards the further, towards um, the corner flag, so Tottenham didn't capitalise on that. But that could have been another nearly moment for Tottenham where they capitalised and then we'd be discussing about Alisson making two disastrous mistakes that led to two Tottenham goals as opposed to the one that helped Tottenham um, equalise. Yeah, great answer. Yeah, I think that moment is absolutely right. That was what inspired me to write fuck me this is stressful in the first half yes yeah that was it that was the moment i just remembered it yeah absolutely but in the first half a happier moment in the first half jack was the uh equalizing goal um diogo jota um quite how he always finds room amongst these really big defenders and to get his head on on <laughs> on these wonderful crosses, but it was a beautiful cross by Andy Robertson, who did pretty much everything that you can do on a football field today, uh, apart from score. But, um, you know, uh, uh, but Diogo Jota was there again. Was it his ninth or his 10th goal? His 10th, I believe, Premier League goal of the season. Absolutely wonderful stuff. Um, And then, you know, just a few minutes after, there was, I've just got no penalty with four question marks because of that ridiculous decision that it was no penalty. He should have won a penalty and single-handedly almost turned turned the game around. He was dangerous, Diogo. He was Jota, the the slotter. He could have had more. What did you think of his performance? What did you think of that goal? I don't know. Just talk to me about Diogo. Yeah, Jota, tremendous, miss. It's 10 goals in the Premier League, Salah with 15, 15, 16 in the league. He's only five goals behind Salah and everyone's been ranting the rave on how good Salah's performances been this season, rightly so, both of them. Even Mane, I know he's only on seven goals, but that's still quite a lot. And obviously Salah's off it most um all three of them off the ball movements is tremendous. And for me today, he had a bit of a quiet game shot before the goal. Um but it's that predator instinct within the six yard box. It, that cross was slightly behind him, but even still for someone such so small, even though he was about five ten taller than me. Um, but he, he got the, the 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 ability to rise up above the centre half. It's it's he makes it look easy for him to mow within the box half forward for He makes stuff look easy when it's really difficult. But he, on another day, Jota could have come away from the game with a hat trick, but. Uh, it's it's it was the defensive side of Liverpool's game that was really much lacking today. I think he done Jota was tremendous today in it, that goal and obviously the penalty instance, which was a penalty to should have been a penalty to Liverpool. But yeah, it, 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 I'd say he's surprising us, but he's not. 
Um, he's been one of Liverpool's leading lights this season, and long that made it, made that continue because I think Liverpool to come away from this season with a title, our forward three are going to be instrumental, and, and Jota is very much at the heart of the best of what Liverpool have got to offer. Great stuff, yeah, beautiful answer, absolutely. Diogo was really good. He was a bit dangerous. I mean, sorry, it was very dangerous. He could have done a little bit better at certain times. There was one moment in the second half. Um, well, first of all, there was a great header from a Trent ball just after on 47 minutes that went just wide. It was always so hard to do that header sort of backwards behind yourself. It almost found the top corner. That was great. But then Matip did another Maradona-type run, as, as he often does. But Jota took a touch instead of shooting, but he had a really good chance there uh, that was sort of made for Divock. Uh, but unfortunately, Divock wasn't there. Um, Connor, um, yeah, the, the in the second half, Kane had more... Two huge chances. One of them was a wonderful save again from Alison Becker, but then he was offside anyway. But then very soon after that, Kane had a huge chance from a corner. Again, one of those moments where we had Milner and Robbo at the near post, two small players. And, you know, Tottenham managed to get a flick on to Kane. The goalkeeper was nowhere, of course, because he was being bullied. And Kane fluffed it. Um, and there's something about his chin and his 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 general demeanour that really annoys me, Harry Kane. But we haven't actually talked about, back, way back on 19 minutes, the red card incident. Because Harry Kane had, by that time, opened the scoring, in the, if it was back in the 13 minutes. I can't believe I skipped over this until now. Connor, that red card... Uh, from Harry Kane. I mean, what excuse do they have, the referees? I mean, I, I, I mean, let's try and get, try and be as kind as we can. Paul Tierney, maybe his the angle wasn't right, and he didn't see that Kane had his studs up, and he connected in a sort of ankle-breaking fashion. Luckily, Robertson didn't have his weight on that ankle, or he literally would have snapped it in two. Um, but how in God's green earth or brown earth or whatever colour it is these days. Um, did the VAR, if that's the case, not say to the referee, we'll go and have a second look at it? It's it's incompetence of the highest order. But Kane just annoyed the shit out of me. He's, again, excuse my language, all game. Uh, what do you reckon, Connor? Again, mate, it's, it's inconsistency. Again. Um, it's that word that we keep on using for VAR since it's well introduction really into Premier League football, um, and it's again it's I, I I absolutely get where you're coming from because of course if anyone did watch it you know especially in the UK on Sky Sports and that you know of course he's he's the darling um, with Sky Sports and you know and British media especially if your name's Gary Neville but we won't move on that but it is just a, a sense of frustration yes I can understand human error and look human error happens all the time in every single day but what I can't accept is VAR again messing up um, if uh, and like you said mate Robbo is so fortunate that he jumps just before there's contact from Harry Kane with his boot because I think if you look at the images, um, he just about jumps up off his foot. And if it was to happen, then it's a certain leg breaker or like you know similar to Thiago's injury last year uh, with uh, Everton. You know, a, a one that could have taken him out for um, you know a long period of time without it even being broken. And I don't get how the Premier League. It'd be interesting to see what the Premier League come out and say about this. Um, but it is just that sense of frustration that I get where it's, you know, what, what, what excuse is there? Harry Kane's come out and said already in the press that said that he's got the ball, he, you know, there was no foul. Just look at the, image, <laughs> just look at the images. Jesus. He really? Is that what he said? Yes, he, yeah, he's already oh, come out and said this. He annoys the crap out of me. Well, it just <laughs> makes me happier and happier that we, you know, we, we got one European Cup uh, away from his uh, grubby little mitts in that final in Madrid because that's just, uh, you know, that's just delusion of the highest order if he didn't think that he deserved a red for that um but yeah wow man i mean you know he did miss a ton of chances tottenham's xg according to understat 
was 2.80 compared to Liverpool's 1.55. The XG said that Tottenham had by far and away the better chances. Most of those fell to Harry Kane's fat head and he missed it and he fluffed it. And I'm just delighted about that. Uh, but let's go back to the positives. Uh, Fergus, um, I thought Trent was brilliant. I thought Trent was my man of the match. Trent, I mean, he, he had that tackle with, with Kane going free that I mentioned before in the first half. Um, he was, uh, you know, he's in my notes all over the place. A great half volley that was brilliantly saved by Hugo Lloris on 42 minutes. Um, that brilliant pass for Jota on 47 minutes. And then that pass... Uh, for Robbo's goal, that pass, I don't know what part of the foot he hits, he sort of cuts down on the ball and it doesn't rotate in the air. It's just this sort of flat Death Star moving thing right onto Robbo's head for the goal. It was beautiful, beautiful, wonderful stuff. And I just love watching Trent pretty much every week. Uh, what, do you, what do you reckon about Trent's performance today? Yeah, Trent was magnificent. You can see that uh, he's he's reached a level of maturity now where he looks so confident on the field. He's trying things that he wouldn't have tried before. He's ha He had one blistering shot similar to the one that he scored with a few days ago, uh, which Lloris saved brilliantly. So, yeah, Trent, Trent was man of the match. Even according to who scored, he got 7.7. .7. Uh, second was Keita on 7.4 as a rating and third was Jot on 7.2 so I'd have to agree with that yet yeah, uh, Trent Trent has moved to another level so we really have to credit him he's one of our leaders his position has altered slightly as well because he, he sort of sits in the on the edge of the box now doesn't he just looking to spray passes and looking for he's come further infield he's not hugging the touchline like he used to if anything henderson when he's playing uh plays further out when we're attacking onto the touchline uh, allowing arnold to get closer to goal so yeah i agree he, he was he was magnificent today and you know on another day we we might have scored more yeah great answer so yeah i mean from who scored.com 68 passes for trent with a 77.9 percent passing accuracy uh, four key passes, 10 crosses, only two accurate, 12 long passes with seven accurate, one through ball, uh, one assist. That beautiful, beautiful assist uh, was superb. Um, other players we haven't mentioned, uh, Kofi, uh, Mo Salah, he had three key passes, uh, three crosses. Uh, offensively, Mo Salah managed to get two shots in, but none of them were on target um i thought he was quiet um i i was optimistic before the game of him coming up against sessignon and uh, ben davis but uh, overall like, credit to tottenham they they kept him down to only two shots whereas normally he manages about six yeah um salah having a quiet game was a rare surprise because we obviously heard of this uh, incredible run that he's gone on. In the last 15 games, he's either gotten a goal or an assist, and now he's matched the record with Jamie Vardy. If he had produced a goal and assist in today's game, it would have broken that Vardy record, but unfortunately, it wasn't to be. Um, I just think, because again, we have to go back to the core of our midfield, that that helps Salah so much in terms of strengths. Like in our midfield, I wasn't really seeing overlapping runs or decoy runs that we typically make when we're on the ball, when we're in possession, retaining possession. That helps Salah um, just cut in and just create some sort of distraction for Tottenham before we get a key pass in or a key goal in. And I just think, yeah, they, I'd say Sessignon done well, um, just blocking off passing lanes and just making sure Salah was kept quiet. Um, I remember right at the end of the game, um, when Tomiscus came on, um, there was a last break from Liverpool, 92nd minute. And if Tomiscus didn't let this ball bounce, because I saw Salah darting away, and when he when he's when he senses an opportunity, his sixth sense is like immediately there. Like he's got this animalistic um, instincts for just knowing when a goal opportunity is about to happen. And Tomiscus just delayed this chance by like a second. And if he managed to do it, I'm sure Salah would have probably got the winning goal for us in what would have been a smash and grab win. But maybe it was Tomiscus just 
being a bit apprehensive and a bit nervous because of the circumstances of the game, with how things went for Robertson. He got Tomiskis had uh, a booked for time. He was booked for time wasting, so maybe that took him out of his natural game in terms of just feeding um, crosses in for Salah. Um, and yeah, it just wasn't it wasn't Salah's game. It wasn't really meant to be, I guess. So I guess all good things come to an end, and I guess Salah is human at the end of the day. Well, he is indeed. Uh, you know, one nice thing that's come out of the fact that, you know, Costas did sort of, you know, hesitate with that ball and, and Mo Salah didn't get the winner is that I, I would still be screaming. I would still be running down the street and, and this podcast would not be happening. So I'm quite, you know, it's nice that, you know, we actually have the have the chance to, to talk about this game because otherwise we wouldn't have um, had we got a 90-second minute winner. Um, it wasn't to be, Jack. It was not to be. Um, Sadia Mane as well. Uh, lots of endeavour, lots of effort. I thought he looked dangerous. I thought he won the ball well against them. Um, he was doing really well. He had two shots, but none on target in the end. Uh, one key pass. Uh, there was one moment where he could have passed to Mo, it's, and, it, and it went wide, and I was a bit frustrated at that, but uh, he managed one key pass, uh, passing accuracy of 81.3% compared to Diogo Jota's 75% and Mo Salah's 80%. So he was the best at keeping the ball, keeping it quite simple. That you know link up with Andy Robertson, I thought, was very good throughout the match, very dangerous. Um, what did you make of Sadio today, Jack? Yeah, I love to miss. It's, it's got Sadio on my back, my kit. He, he is my favourite. And then, well, uh, we all love all of our players, but Mane is something about him. Um, he's tremendous, uh, our number 10. And and even when he, he's had his off days, he always has that one opportunity within a game that, that does create something. He does something. Um, but today, I wish he just would have got Emerson sent off. I just wish he Klopp would have told him just get at Emerson at every opportunity because he had them on breakfast for a whole 90 minutes. Like at this, Even when Liverpool were 1-0 down, there was always that opportunity. You had Harry Kane getting a book and Winks. The, the majority, it'd be interesting to see how, who the fouled player was. It probably was Mane because he just hated him. A lot of teams hate him because he just, even that game when Atletico Madrid spent the whole 90 minutes kicking him because they knew how, how much he was terrorising the whole team, uh, and I think Sadio, when I said at the top of the beginning of the season, maybe even off the back of today's performance, I think he will have probably one of his best seasons in a red shirt. Because even if he doesn't get on the score scoring charts, he always has an impact on a game. And both just there's there's neutral fans out there that just go, oh, Sadio's not getting a, not getting a goal or an assist. He's had a he's had a poor game, but he, I just love watching the fella. And today, yeah, he didn't get on the goal scoring charts. But he absolutely terrorised Tottenham's back line. And, and there will be a lot of teams that will be frightened to come up, not just against Jota and Salah, but Sadio Mane. Um, I can't wait to see him in the next couple of weeks. It'd be disappointing if we do lose him to AFCON. And that's a whole other podcast, mate, so I'm not even going to start on that. <laughs> but if he does go to AFCON, he'll be, him and Mo will be massive misses. But today's performance, superb. Doing everything apart from getting on the goal scoring charts, but... Pretty sure Sadio will bang in a couple more, a lot more goals this season, mate. But he done everything his utmost best, and he's spot on there, mate. The combination play since Robinson, most importantly, he's come back to his very best. Um, was absolutely superb, and long may that continue, mate. Yeah, superb answer. Yes, yeah, Sadio, he's a wonderful player. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, they are going to go off to Afcon, him and Mo and, and Naby as well. Now that Naby's back fit, and it is something that we need to worry about and be concerned about going forward because we're going to miss them very dearly especially with the shortage in midfield um the games have got coming up Connor. we've got uh leicester city apparently uh you know of course this is all subject to covid but according to the fixture list as it stands we have the quarterfinal of the efl cup coming up on wednesday evening against leicester city at anfield then we're at anfield again uh hosting leeds united the currently hapless Leeds United uh, next Sunday. That's uh, Boxing Day at 1.30 p.m. European time, 12.30 p.m. UK time. Um, then we've got Leicester again, that time away from home at the King Power, 
just two days after because they're absolutely crazy, these Premier League uh, schedulers. It just doesn't make any sense. Then they've got days and days off until Sunday, January the 2nd, Chelsea-Liverpool at Stamford Bridge. Goodness gracious me. Uh, Leicester, Leeds, Leicester and Chelsea. Connor, we've got some tasty games coming up. What's, what, 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 what jumps out at you from those four? Uh, yeah, mate, we do, don't we? Um, well, I think we can guarantee it already. Costa Simicus's Christmas is going to be a bit hectic now that Robbo's got his red card. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it, again, it's it's crazy, isn't it? The Christmas fixtures. For me personally, again, it's it's Chelsea and Liverpool scream out. Of course, the game before, of course, you know, like you, you and Jack already spoke about about Afcon. Um, you know, that's the cut off date supposedly for the lads to, to be meant to be flying out to AFCON if it does go ahead. Um, so, of course, we're going to miss them. But again, it's a title decider, um, the way it's gone, the way the results have gone. Liverpool could end Chelsea's title hopes um, in that game, of course, if we do win you know, Leeds and, and Leicester. But again, it's that, you know, we look at it and, you know, we've been kind of fortunate um, with how the games are, but again, look at Leicester, they've had games cancelled um, the last couple of weeks, their fixtures are coming thick and fast, now we don't know when of course, you know, Tottenham, we don't know when their games are going to be uh, put back on, so it is a very, very hectic time in the Premier League, and for us, you know, Leeds, I look at it and I go, Rafinha has been phenomenal for them um, I looked at it. I think he's third top goal scorer in the league, or, or fourth at least. Anyway, I think he's on eight Premier League goals this season, which is really, really tremendous for him. Um, but for me, I think it is that Chelsea one. That Chelsea one is the huge one for me because we could write them off for title challenges, and it could then be, be between us and City come May. Then interesting stuff. Interesting stuff, Fergus. What do you make of it? I mean, Leeds United, as Connor said. They've been brilliant. Well, Rafini's sorry, Rafini's been brilliant, but the team's been pretty awful. Only three wins in eighteen games for Leeds. Uh, but uh, yeah, Leeds, uh, Leicester, and Chelsea in the league, and then the the EFL Cup quarter final. What do you make of these upcoming fixtures? Yeah, well, Rafinha. I think we were linked with him last uh, during the transfer uh, window, and I think he'd be a tremendous player for Liverpool. Uh, be a great backup for. I think he plays on the left. Uh, he'd be he great plays backup. often on the right. Where he on can play right. both sides, but yeah, he can play Salah's position, unfortunately. But so I don't know if he'll yeah. get it. Okay. He'll, he'll so be adaptable. He, yes, exactly. So he'd be a Jota type signing where he can come in and back up any of the front three. Um, so, uh, you know, obviously FSG always operates on the fact is it a bargain? Can they get a good deal? But I mean, at the moment, Rafinha is tearing it up and. Um, Leeds will want huge money for him, so probably off our radar. And as as you were telling me in the your text messaging, you've been campaigning for a a, a backup DM uh, for a couple of seasons now. And I, I think definitely when it comes to transfers, which you know was um, which we'll be talking about soon, um, we saw today what a hole in the midfield is left when we don't have Fabinho and we don't have Henderson. So in particular, Fabinho's position, nobody can do it like Fabinho. So we, we definitely need um, Liverpool to, to do what they do so well, which is unearth um, a, an unknown or not very well-known talented player who can slot in there uh, and boss it. Um, as for the fixtures, yeah, um, Leeds, as you say, are hapless right now, and we tend to do well against them. Um Leicester twice, once in the EFL Cup. Your EFL Cup will be obviously a chance for the for the reserves to go get out, uh, get out and play. And then um, Leicester City, uh, they'll be hurting right now because they haven't had very good results. They they'll be well rested, and you saw what a good rest did for Tottenham today. You know, Tottenham looked like they were trying to replay the Champions League final, um, which they lost to us. Uh, you know, the likes of Harry Kane, Deli Ali, um, Hugo Lloris played in that. And it looked like it was a huge game for them, a really big game. They came out of the blocks. Uh, they were very aggressive. Obviously, they're trying to impress Conte. Conte has got them much fitter because, you know, the run their running stats were the lowest in the Premier League uh, until Conte came along. And you see today that they played as if it was their last match ever. So um, the same will happen whichever team we play against. And I'm sure Leicester will be out of the blocks having rested well. 
with all their COVID breaks. And the other problem is, of course, we don't know how, which players we're going to have available. You know, will, will Hendo be back? Will Fabinho be back? Who else will be out? Will Virgil be back? And will these fixtures even go ahead? Um, we don't know what's happening with uh, Omicron virus. It looks like it's spreading fast. But, um, you know, the government's going to have to make a decision, look at the hospitalization numbers and see if it really is worth shutting things down. At the moment, all the stadiums are full, which means they're not very worried. So I don't know why we're postponing matches, but I suppose, you know, it takes time for the protocol to catch up with the facts. Um, so, yeah, that, that's what we have. Uh, uh, then Chelsea, of course, is, is a huge match away. That's going to be really tough. And, of course, the biggest question of all is, a tough game like Liverpool-Chelsea, you know, it can come down to the refereeing. And really, that's, that's the concerning thing about this league is you always have to worry about the referee. Yeah, you do. I don't know if Fergus has just been kidnapped there or something. Sounds like uh, perhaps uh, something like that's happened. But, uh, Kofi, I'll, I'll turn to you whilst I, uh, you know, check on Fergus's health. Um, the uh, How, uh, I mean, Fergus, great answer there. Um we don't know what games are going to go on. Um, we hope every, all the players are safe and, and, and well and everybody out there is safe, as safe as can be and well as can be. Uh, but are you excited? You know, let's let's uh, look on the bright side. Let's pretend these, that they, let's uh, assume even that these uh, games are going to go ahead. Um, you know, what, what, what stands out for you about them, Kofi? Yeah, um, Christmas period is always the most exciting period of the season because... It's the, it's the time where you decide, okay, who's contesting for top four here? Who's going to be title contenders here? Who might run away with the title here, here? Um, obviously, we know Manchester City going to be top of the table on Christmas Day. Now, there's a stat where they say um, whoever's on top on Christmas Day usually goes on to win the league. Um, hopefully, that's not Manchester City, but I know we've had that stat last season and we didn't come through with the title. And also, there was another time, I think, 2018, 2014 and 2009, where we was top of the league on Christmas Day and we kind of fell just short of um, the Premier League title. But um, yes, this is the period where we have to use all our, our squad. Every member of our squad is going to be key. I'm sure Klopp will have rotations in mind, of course, depending on player availability, um, how the COVID situation um, with uh, midfield free with and Henderson with his flu symptoms or with his COVID, um, it's going to be very essential that our players are in good health. Um, so just like sim similar to last season, where you'd say availability is the biggest currency right now, it's the most valuable currency right now, and um, we just need to have an available squad ready and raring to go because we know. Manchester City got the luxury of resources. They can throw out money on a strike or maybe in the January transfer window or maybe they step up another gear. And this is the point in the period where the Leicesters, the games against Leicester, the games against Leeds, the game against Chelsea, we have to turn them into wins because we've been complacent with Brighton, Brentford. Um, obviously, the referee situation with um, Tottenham where we've had too many draws. And it's just giving me um, some sort of PTSD from the 18-19 season where eventually too many draws was the reason why we just fell short of the title. Now I don't want that happening again. And hopefully Jurgen Klopp has learned from that lesson in 18-19. And hopefully we just find that extra gear to turn these draws into wins in what's going to be a crucial Christmas period. Yeah, wonderful answer, wonderful answer. Kofi makes a great point there. I mean, about Manchester City, I think they've spent, um, well, they've definitely, I think Guardiola spent 500 million just on his defence. Um, but they've spent, I believe, it's around about 300 million net spend more than us in the last uh, two years, um, which is six £50 million pound players. So their, their squad that was already good is is very deep with incredible talent. And I don't know, are you, are you thinking that, you know, it's looking a bit ominous, especially when we've got those two games in three days, Sunday, December the 26th and Tuesday, December the 28th, well, in two days, Leeds and Leicester, when we've got a League Cup midfield out. I don't know, are you, are you getting concerned, Jack? It's... It, I said at the start of the season, this will be if Klopp did win the league in a year that everyone was spending money 
everyone had the pundits to get paid. I know they're not Liverpool fans, but no one had Liverpool's winning the title, or they had like Chelsea's winning the title. And look where they are now. So a lot can happen in football. Um, I know Pep was crying last week about injuries, and which was absolutely crazy considering how much money he's had to spend anyway in, in terms of the transfer window. If Klopp did win the league with this squad, it's a tremendous squad already. But given how everyone was crying out outside the Liverpool, that Liverpool haven't spent enough in reality. Um, but I'm confident in Liverpool, this squad. Yes, as the lads already alluded to, we do need one or two. Not massive wholesale changes in reality, but it will help Liverpool in terms of come, what, the end of May. As Kofi alluded to, this if one or two games don't go our way, and I'm just looking at City's fixtures here. Yes, we've got to focus on ourselves. Got to keep on grinding it out. But I think City, Leicester will have a big part to play in, in the next couple of weeks. Because it's City, Leicester in the league. And then they go away to Brentford City. Um, so Brentford, Brentford away. And then Arsenal at home at the Emirates against City. And, and obviously City, Chelsea. So if Liverpool can continue to be in with, what, three points gap in the next coming weeks and we do continue winning our games a lot can happen in football and um uh, us fans liverpool and rival fans can be very reactionary after a game and but we just got to focus one game at a time and i'm pretty sure there's enough quality within that squad which we've seen in recent years um but what i when i watched that city game against wolves they won it just but they're just a bunch of whinging babies when the performances and the and the not the game isn't going the way in which you want, all their toys are out the pram. You see Pep pulling his head out. Oh wait, he's got no air, so just slapping his ball to the head, fuming. Um, <laughs> what the wheels will fall off the city this season. It's just Liverpool have got to be within touching distance, and a pretty when the results and the refereeing performances don't go their way as well. Sometimes in football, the checkbook is always the answer. Excellent, excellent answer. Um, we get, we, we're going to wrap things up here, but just before that, I wanted, I, I had a long look at Man City's fixtures, and I think their only difficult fixture between now and February is against Chelsea on the 15th of January. Uh, but they've got easy games on paper um, until you get to the 19th of February, and then they play Tottenham at home, Everton away, Man United at home, Crystal Palace away, Brighton at home. And there's that run that seems quite difficult. And then they Burnley away. They'll beat Burnley. Of course, they will on the 2nd of April. But then, you know, on the 9th of April, it's Man City against Liverpool. And then they have to go to Wolves away. And it's like this really long, pretty difficult run between the 19th of February and the 23rd of April. So I think if Liverpool stay within three or four points or even six points of Man City by the time we hit the 19th of February, then, you know, we're, we're, we're still in it, guys. We are still in it. Um, I want to thank you so much uh, to everyone for joining me today. Kofi, I want to please tell the listeners about LFC Reactions. Yes, yes. Um, LFC Reactions with a Z at the end. Um, tune in for my post-match analysis which I usually do after every Liverpool game. Also, anything other, anything Liverpool-related news, um, I tend to cover and do like a quick mini-review. Um, yeah, tune in, support LFC Reactions, and thank you, Owen, for having me on and allowing me to have a voice to share my platform and also speak about um, today's game, which didn't go in our favour. And yeah, I'd love to come back again and make this a regular thing if, the, if that's possible. That would be absolutely, that, that would be a dream. Thank you very much, Kofi. Excellent stuff. Jack, tell us, tell the listeners about Jack Mac LFC. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on, Owen. Great to speak to Kofi. First time, anyway, and the lads in, in the pods and everyone at home. Keep them safe and well. Um, and have a lovely Christmas. Look after yourselves. And uh, yeah, just Jack Mac LFC on all socials. Reds, as I said, got the privilege of meeting you, Owen, Kofi, and, and Connor. And, and Vegas as well, and all, and all the amazing Reds, the more Liverpool content creators, the better, because we all have the love and passion of Liverpool Football Club, it unites everyone from around the world, mate, but thank you for having me on once again, mate, and as I said, we'll be signed come one end, the end of May, 
is to Steven Gerrard winning it for Liverpool last game of the season. <laughs> if we yes. have three points behind and a couple of goals ahead, hopefully. But yeah, cheers, mate, for having me on. It's great to speak to you Absolute pleasure. Yeah, that game is the 22nd of May, 22. Um, yeah, Man City are at home to Aston Villa, the last game of the season. Wow. Connor, please tell the listeners about the Cup Council. Oh, well, first of all, mate, thank you for inviting me on. Um, and of course, a uh, pleasure to speak with the lads. And yeah, um, of course, Cop Council, um, post-match match reactions, of course, January is coming. So of course, those nice little clickbait titles are coming. Um, no, I'm kidding, of course. But look, um, of course, everyone, please stay safe. Christmas is, what, a week away now? So of course, you know, everyone, please stay safe because it is a very, very, very dangerous place uh, out in the world. So yeah, everyone, please stay safe and have a very Merry Christmas and a happy holidays as well, wherever you are listening around the world. Lovely stuff. Excellent stuff. Fergus, I know you don't have any any podcast to plug, but do you want to say a Christmas message to the to the listeners of Cop On if you haven't been kidnapped? Uh, no, that was my young son coming into the room screaming his head off, so I just <laughs> muted in time. Uh, yeah, no, well, ha- Merry Christmas to everyone. Um, it's that time of year, you know, love it or hate it. At least we've got plenty of football um, to look forward to, so that's the main thing. And let's just hope the referees get a rocket for, for what they've done today. Yeah, great. Yeah, good point. Good point. Don't let them ruin your festive spirit, anyone out there. Uh, Yeah, very uh, Merry Christmas to everyone who's celebrating or happy holidays if you've got a holiday. And uh, yeah, we'll be back very soon, very soon. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye.